The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Geeks, and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half. This is mini-episode 66.5. These are the episodes where we get into all the nitty-gritty details we didn't have time for on the main episode. And I'll tell you, issue 66 was packed with great topics. Just a wonderful conversation. Michael and I really had fun recording that one. But I will tell you that I was most surprised by the fact that so many of you remembered having that Gen 13 cover. Even Michael, who remembers hardly anything about Wizard Magazine, or the 90s comic book scene in general, it feels like often. So that was kind of cool that this was a memorable issue for a lot of people. But before we get into all the stuff we didn't have time to talk about, I'm excited to share with you a little bit more about our Patreon, which is now live. Yes, you can join Wizards, the Patreon Guide to Comics, for just $5 a month. And with that subscription, you are getting full access, essentially, to the making of the podcast. Yeah, if you are subscribed now, if you become a patron at our one and only geek level for $5 a month, that means right now you can download a fully scanned copy of issue 67 of Wizards and read along with it as we are preparing to record that episode, which is something we're actually doing tonight. Within just a day or two, you are going to have that episode unedited, commercial-free, just raw and ready to roll for you as if you were sitting on on the record with us and our guests. Uh, It's very fun. (laughs) You get it completely uncensored, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets cut out just for time on the fully produced episodes. So if you want it all, well, it is coming your way on Patreon. In addition to that, we are just sharing a lot of exclusive stuff. When things are getting added to the archives, the patrons are seeing it first. When we confirm and book a guest, the patrons are hearing that first. And even more exciting is the fact that once we have a full lineup of patrons, we're going to start reading your names on the main episodes. Everybody will know how awesome you are in supporting the podcast. But yes, please go on over to patreon.com, find Wizards the Patreon guide to comics and then sign up there and we will be so excited to have you part of that exclusive community and we want you to be a part of it especially those of you who listen to these mini episodes it means you care it means you want as much as you can get and speaking of getting you know we might be doing some giveaways through Patreon one of these days and if that happens hey it might just match what Wizard was giving away back in 1997 so let's check out Cap's Kooky Contests. Alright, our first contest here, Dark Horse Comics presents the Big Fat Sin City Contest. How to play? What would it be like to live in Sin City, the roughest, most corrupt, most dangerous city on the map? Explain to us in 100 words or less why Sin City is the last place on Earth you'd want to live. Write it on a postcard, on a rock, on a shiv, on a matchbook, or whatever you feel like using. The best of the best could win sinfully great prizes. Grand prize, one lucky stooge will get copies of Sin City, a dame to kill for 
Four and Sin City, The Big Fat Kill, signed and numbered limited edition hardcovers autographed by Frank Miller himself. Retail value on each, $200! And an official Sin City toe tag, easily worth killing for. They actually have a picture of the toe tag here, and it says Basin City Morgue, Office of the Medical Examiner. But I mean, other than that, you would think it would be filled out and be a little bit, you know, fun, but no, it's just blank. It has, it has a name and marital status and body found, died, found, all that, but there's nothing on there that says Sin City. That's kind of lame. Anyway, second prize, 35 winners will each get a massive 37 by 70 big fat kill three-sheet poster. Retail value, $50. At least worth maiming for. Wow, man, a three-sheet poster. I still have my madman three-sheet poster that I've never been able to mount or had enough wall space for. I can't imagine that Sin City one as well. It says, this month's contest is sponsored by Frank Miller and the folks at Dark Horse Comics. Sinners all. All right, now this is interesting, the fact that there is a Frank Miller contest going on only because I believe at this time he had already ripped a part of Wizard Magazine or was on his way to doing so, so I kind of find it odd that he was still playing the game, but hey, maybe he just likes making that money. He knows Wizard is the way to do promotions. All right, but it says here, contest open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Frank Miller, Dark Horse Comics, their immediate families, or that yellow bastard. Of course, the name of another famous Sin City story, although I find that hilarious that just Frank Miller. Frank, you can't enter this contest, you can't win. Maybe that was the real reason he got mad at Wizard and ripped it in half at the podium at that convention. He's just like, they won't let me enter a contest, I can't win my own stuff, it's my contest. Yeah, everything Frank Miller says is with gritted teeth in my mind. Alright, next one here. Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. This contest guaranteed not to be rigged by any member of the Rourke family. Now the Sheamus family is a whole other story. <laughs> now, here's what I don't understand, because this is long before the movie comes out. There are characters in there with the last name Rourke, but then Mickey Rourke played Marv? That is bizarre. Why Why don't people talk about that more? That is crazy to me. I, I feel like I gotta go uh, verify that, read up on some Sin City, but also just the jab at the Sheamus family. And of course we know that later on down the line they actually did get in trouble for uh, some shady business practices and plenty of wizard staffers on the wizard files have pointed that out as well. But alright, let's move on to the next contest. Chaos Comics and More Creations present the Happy Birthday Evil Ernie Contest. Hey, Hey, it's 1997, and that means Evil Ernie, Chaos Comics' undead psychopath, is turning five years old. It's a year-long party, and you can win the present. How to play? We want cake. Either bake one and send a photo, as well as the recipe, or if you're not too hot with a spatula, draw us a birthday cake. There will be a winner in each category, but only to the two individuals who whip up the most unpleasant, evil, and downright disturbing birthday cake this side of a decomposing harbinger of the apocalypse. And what do you get for for your troubles? Baking category. Grand prize? One reader will receive the Evil Ernie Omega Edition Claiborne Moore Resin Sculpture, a special one-of-a-kind chaos creation. This one and only Evil Ernie statue will feature a hyper-detailed paint job by Moore Creations master painter Paul Moore, featuring additional splatter effects, a custom emerald inlay in the Evil Ernie logo, and a special certificate of authenticity signed by Brian Polito, Stephen Hughes, Claiborne Moore, and Paul Moore. Further, the winner's 
vital statistics will be recorded in the National Chaos Registry, creating a permanent record that this Omega edition is yours and yours alone. Wow, so we talked about that evil Ernie, like, Omega edition comic book that was one of a kind, and they were doing the same for a statue? This is crazy. Chaos Comics, wow. Now, the drawing category, grand prize, one reader will receive the original Eternity Comics Evil Ernie 5 issue miniseries. That's right, Kibasabi. Ugh, can't say that anymore. That's the series that introduced Evil Ernie, Lady Death, and the whole Chaos Universe. That's over $400 worth of evil, partner. Yeah, because those were certainly wall books at this point. 20 readers selected at random from all entries will get a copy of the brand new Evil Ernie vs. the Movie Monsters, autographed by creator-writer Brian Polito. This contest is sponsored by Chaos Comics and more creations, producers of fine party favors. <laughs> Happy legal birthday! Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Chaos Comics, more creations, their immediate families, or Julia Child. Is she like, you know, a guy? <laughs> What? I mean, guys played her. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, John Candy played Julia Child in a boxing match with Mr. Rogers, played by Martin Short on SCTV, that old sketch comedy show. So it's pretty hilarious. All right, next one here. Ooh, this is interesting. It says, Offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Anyone sneaking X-lax in their cake in an evil attempt to make a friend poop like a goose will be disqualified. Well, I guess old Pat McCallum would not have been eligible for this contest, aside from being a wizard employee, because yes, it was revealed that he actually uh, distributed those X-Lax brownies in the office. Oh, Pat. All right, on to the last contest here. People Who Care present the Bookshelf of Comics contest. With all the great new stuff in comic stores every week, you might forget the ton of great old stuff available through backlist special order. So we're going to remind you that it's there by giving away a whole bookshelf of it. A bookshelf of comics? How do I get one? How to play. We want you to dress up like Baby New Year with the big diaper and sash across your torso reading 1997 and get your photo taken wearing this garb at a comic store. Or if there isn't a comic store near you, a photo near a comic display in any store will do. Then attach your name and address to the back of the photo, mail it in, and a random drawing among all entries will determine who wins, grand prize, over 200 different soft and hardcover comic collections, a big bookshelf to stick them in, and your very own one-of-a-kind original art bookmark featuring gladiator art from Chuck Wojciechowicz, artist of Marvel's Imperial Guard, Wojciechowicz, Wojciechowicz, and flash art from Mike Waringo. Cover artist of DC's The Flash. And it ain't like the books you get are gonna be cheesy or anything. You'll get Lady Death Between Heaven and Hell, Concrete, Fragile Creature, Watchmen, Battlestar Galactica, and Fantastic Four, The Trial of Galactus. You'll even get forward edition books from Dark Horse, Strangers in Paradise, I Dream of You, autographed by Terry Moore, Madman, The Oddity Odyssey, autographed by Mike Allred, oh I wish, a Lady Death, The Reckoning hardcover, autographed by Brian Polito, Stephen Hughes, and Jason Jensen. This list is nigh endless. So they actually have one of the wizard staffers that can't quite make out who it is, but he is covered in comics. And uh, I'm seeing some Batman, I'm seeing some Flash, I'm seeing some Aliens, there's some World's Finest. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. All right, legal volume. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, the listed sponsors, their media families, or anybody who thinks the comic book medium is not a legitimate art form. Yeah, take that. <laughs> 
And it also says, offer void where prohibited, regulated, or restricted by law in a manner inconsistent with the purposes and rules hereof. Any pictures showing body hair we don't want to see will be immediately disqualified. And burned. <laughs> yeah, baby New Year. Immediately when they say that, I wonder if they got the idea. Do you remember in the back of comics in the mid-80s, there was this Hulk dressed as baby New Year, and he was holding up, like, the subscription form information? It, that has to be it. I mean, that was just such an iconic image you could never shake out of your mind. Now, the last thing I'll say here is they actually have the comic book locator service toll-free phone number listed here as well. So they're just kind of trying to promote the use of comic book stores, which in this day and age as well, is something we all would certainly encourage. All right, well, let's get on to the next segment. All right, well, guys, uh, a special returning guest to the mini episodes here. Yes, a Wizards Half <laughs> alumni. Hey, Michael, how you doing? <laughs> I'm a guest on our own show. <laughs> well, yeah, it just feels like forever since we've had you on the mini episodes. So I'm excited it's, that we got it's to add weird. This. I know, right? It's it's one of those things where like, I like doing the mini episodes a lot, but we have a lot going on in this podcast and a lot in our lives. And it's hard to do, but I, but I did not want to miss doing this particular segment, which is The Flash. Yeah, so this wizard casting call for The Flash is something we were speeding through our last episode, and so we totally forgot to even stop for a minute and do this, but I'm glad that it's going to be part of the mini episode now. So uh, the thing I just wanted to read at the beginning, though, is they say, okay, we know, we know, The Flash TV show wasn't the best, but at least it had potential. Wasn't the, like, best. Well, it was the best? I think great. It was the best. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That is still the most comic-accurate live-action adaptation of anything ever. Period. I'm sorry. Far oh, none. So fantastic. But this time around, they are suggesting, well, what if we do it in the current continuity? What if we are casting a Wally West Flash story? I'm on uh, board already. I'm on board. Yeah, th this is great because I know you are a Flash fan. You've been reading the books for a while. And so tell us, what do you think about this first casting? So for Wally West, they have Matthew McConaughey. And I say, boo. Not that I don't like Matthew McConaughey, I love him, but I think at this time in, in the world and, and everything, Mark Paul Gossler would probably be a much better Wally West if I had to pick my pick. Really? But okay. I think so. You just think he had the attitude of the time, huh? And he's like a California dude, and like I just can't see Matthew McConaughey not sounding like himself, and he needs to sound like something else entirely, you know, in my okay. opinion. Okay. Uh, well, see, because I, I had a different idea, actually, because I was thinking Eric Stoltz. You know Eric Stoltz. Of course, but he's not a, I mean, uh I mean, yeah. he, I mean, I mean, I guess he's not like a party animal. That's for sure. I guess I just from the look side, maybe I'm going. He's also not an A-lister, though. He's not somebody that like would draw in the people, you know. Do you think Mark Paul Gossler was an A-lister? <laughs> well, well, I mean, for people of our yes. age who loved like Saved by the Bell. That's true. And the, and the amount of girls that would go see it just for him. I think, that, you know, because they'd be All like, right. oh, we might see him without his shirt on. He might be ripped. Ooh. <laughs> hey, now. Well, that works for me. Now, I, I will say that I have never. <laughs> No opposition in any way to their decision for Linda Park because they want Ming Na Wen. In this case, she'd be a great foil to a Wally West, you know? For sure. 100%. I, I, I approve this one. Now, the next one over, 
They threw in Impulse, who's probably everyone's least favorite sidekick next to Damian Wayne. And uh, they cast, you know, the young Joseph Gordon-Levitt of Third Rock from the Sun at this time. And I honestly could see it. I could see him in that role. The only other person I can even think of that might be close to that might be like a Macaulay Culkin. Really? See, and here's the thing. Both of them, I feel like, have too much adult energy. They always seem to play a little bit older too old. Than- yeah. more like immaturity so i was thinking somebody almost like uh like ben savage for boy meets world because he has kind of that like nervous manic energy he doesn't mm-hmm. look like but you can put a wig on him you know but i'm saying he doesn't have the hair but i feel like just for attitude like he might be someone from that era that might fit a little bit better that doesn't you know just say like hey i'm so mature i'm so cool you don't think like a jonathan taylor thomas would be a good <laughs> cast for too oh too much jtt at this time <laughs> It'd be it'd be a huge success. It'd be a juggernaut. <laughs> now, uh, for Max Mercury, uh, you know, kind of this mysterious speedster that was kind of the mentor, right? Uh, they wanted, of all people, Malcolm McDowell, who was mostly playing villains at yes. this time. <laughs> Always a villain. Although I guess that would work because, again, he's mysterious, right? So you don't know, is he good? Is he bad? So I guess maybe that, that could play. I guess so, but I, I just... I don't know. I, I think there could have been somebody better than that. Uh, even if you think about it this way, so this is 97. So wouldn't more like a Sean Connery be be good in that kind of a role? Wow. <laughs> so he's playing his Ramirez role from Highlander, but his Max yes, Mercury. <laughs> exactly. Now, I'm Max oh, Mercury. <laughs> and and now, think of it this way, though. Picture this in your head. So they got Max Mercury played by Sean Connery. Now you've got Jay Garrick as another casting call, and they have Paul Newman. Could you imagine a Paul Newman Sean Connery scene together or even like a Clint Eastwood Paul Newman oh that'd be fantastic that would well, be that wild. Would be amazing. I mean, I I could see like Paul Newman again because he he played that mentor character in Cars, right? Yes. And, uh, the Color of Money, you know, and stuff like that. He's a little more complicated in The Color of Money, but you but, know. That's but he's idea. also cool. He's also in a movie that is one of my favorites of all time called Nobody's Fool with him and Bruce Willis and I think Melanie Griffiths in it. Huh. He is so good in that movie. It is fantastic, and I can totally see him as a Jay Garrett. Eric, because it's sort of like this mentorship kind of old elder statesman sort of role. It's it's fantastic casting. Now, the next one, this is my favorite speedster, and this is probably the worst pick they could have given for it. <laughs> they chose for Jesse Quick, Lisa Kudrow. And all right, fine. She's in Friends. She's blonde. Sure. But like Heather Locklear this time, you know, like I could have gone with that as opposed to Lisa Kudrow. I mean, there's so many other actresses they could have thought of for Jesse Quick. Well, in my I, I am torn because both of those would work great for me because I love Lisa Kudrow and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. That is such a great movie. Oh, and, and then, what's her name? Who's in that movie? Uh, oh, Mira Sorvino. Another one that would be a great Jesse actually, Quick. Actually, she might play because she does. We're used to seeing her play more dramatic roles. That might actually work better. Yeah, I think so too. That's a, that's another interesting okay, cast. But I love Heather Locklear in The Return of Swamp Thing. She's just so yeah. peppy and fun. So. So I yes. don't know. <laughs> now for so now, Iris Allen, I just love this when there's going to be an old aunt, even in the 90s, <laughs> they want Sally Field. <laughs> old aunt, old mom. It's like, whatever. Good. Let's find her. Yeah, that's she'll, she'll do it. Sounds great. But she's kind of like almost ageless. I feel like kind of see it for Iris Allen. Sure. 
It's fine. I'm cool with that. Now, the next one up they have is, funny enough, you mentioned this person before, the Pied Piper. They actually have Eric Stoltz. Right. Who would have thought? Not weird. Well, I just, again, like, I just, I look at his face and that looks like Wally West to me. And I feel like the Pied Piper, if anything, just get Mark Hamill again. Let him play another Flash villain and ham it up. Let's have a little fun. Oh, man, that would be really good. That's another very good one. The other one that might be pretty good, the guy who was the villain in Blade, Steven Dorff. Could you imagine Steven Dorff as the Pied Piper trying to play (laughs) it kind of goofy at the same time? Like It would be very interesting. So now, and probably my least favorite Flash villain is Abracadabra. And they threw him in here and they gave James Woods Abracadabra. What in the world? I mean, I guess just to have attitude, if you're going to have like that, this like Z level villain, you know, like, I guess you just say, let's give him something, you know, that has a little uh, extra oomph to it. James Woods will give you that, especially in the 90s. But you know what would be hilarious, though, if they give it to like Tom Hanks, (laughs) Tom Hanks, see what you could do with Abracadabra. He'll be like best supporting actor nominee. (laughs) Now, the next one here is... This is a a character that I did read like the first, I think like 20 issues of like, you know, this, this era's big, like Mark Wade flash run Mm -hmm. and Cobra. I remember being like this villain I had never heard of. And he was like kind of the main thing for a story arc they were doing. And they want Mitch Pileggi, who of course everybody knows him from the X-Files. I know him from Shocker, where he played the bad guy in Shocker, uh, the Wes Craven wannabe Freddy Krueger film. Great soundtrack. Uh, Crappy movie. (laughs) So I'd be all over that. To round out the list here, they have the villain of Savitar, which if you've seen the Flash show, they leaned heavily into Savitar one season. And funny enough, they cast future superhero television show actor who played in the show Heroes, Adrian Pastar, who I don't even know he was even that well known back no, then. No, I was going to say, I don't know who he is. I don't remember him from Heroes. What was his deal there? He was the he was the guy that could fly in Heroes. He was he oh, was okay. Milo's brother. He was like the guy, the second highest guy in the show. I guess I just totally spaced him. You know, well, these lists are funny and and they really make me laugh because they they're some of them are interesting, but some of them are just like wacky. Like, why would they have chose Abracadabra? Like, <laughs> well, I feel like Wally's because, got more villains. Wizard are such hardcore like comics fans. Like, they go deep and just like editorials. Like, oh, I really like that Abracadabra storyline. And- these issues you know you're like ah fine but i i think this was very fun as interesting choices all around so michael thanks for joining me and uh we'll let you speed off into the sunset (laughs) hey michael you know a lot of geeks out there have a savage land of unkempt hair in their pants that needs to be tamed luckily a team of heroes has assembled to save the day we're talking about the crew at manscaped the best in men's below the waist grooming. That's right. Manscaped has an exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WIZARDS20 at manscaped.com. 
Manscaped is all about enabling your personal style. If you want to trim your bush to look like Wolverine's signature mutant mane, use the Lawnmower 4.0. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000 Kelvin LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. And because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You just know that after the beach is down in the bathroom every morning and Gambit walks into that mess of blue fur. He's one raging Cajun. <laughs> Manscaped sent us each the Performance Package 4.0 and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the future of grooming, and I am loving it. So I will tell you the truth, right? I have been shaving parts of my body for years. And in particular, my nether regions can be a little bit crazy. And, you know, I've tried so many different things. I'm always afraid to, like, shave it in the shower to short out the, the buzzer. Now with the Lawnmower 4.0, I can get it wet because it's waterproof. I don't worry about getting hair all over the toilet seat, making a huge mess. I am excited to give this thing a go and clean up everything. My back hair, my shoulders, even my head. <laughs> head to toe, baby. Top to bottom. Now, the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is definitely going to be the number one gift around the X-Mansion this Christmas because it also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Michael, I got to tell you this. So my dad used to trim his nose hairs with a Swiss Army knife just taking the scissors Those out while scissors? in traffic. Yeah. He's no. shoving up his nose. He's jamming his blades in his nose like Wolverine, guy. I mean, it was crazy. Your dad is hardcore. Honestly, like, I would just worry about him every time we were <laughs> driving somewhere. But now he doesn't have to do that anymore because I am getting him the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer for Christmas. He's going to get the hookup. He's going to appreciate it because he always loves to look his best. But the Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin safety technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs in those delicate nose holes because dad doesn't have a mutant healing factor like logan gotta help that guy out so i feel like it's a design that would make forge proud sounds like it but manscaped is more than just top-notch trimming their crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine trust me when i say this fellas your balls will thank you. Manscaped even includes two free gifts with their Performance Package 4.0, Manscaped's boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code WIZARDS20. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WIZARDS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. All you have to do is use code WIZARDS20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Keep your balls bagged and buzzed. <laughs> Before we get into our Mort of the Month, I want to revisit a list we haven't checked out in a while. That's the Top 10 Heroes and Villains of the Month.
Number one at this time was Witchblade. So let's find out what they have to say. Like, I totally combat evil. Boy, if I were ever on the verge of being eaten by some demonic beastie or seconds away from being smitten from existence by a cosmic deity, I'd sure want this Witchblade bundle of energy guard in my tail. Like, sure, I would go and slay the demon or whatever, but I'm like totally expecting a call. Now, if we had that spiffy keen Witchblade gauntlet, we'd never stop using it. We'd create giant howler monkeys with a voracious sexual appetite, sink France, and finally do something about Don King. And then we'd give it back. Honest. <laughs> so I think it's interesting, like, the Valley Girls speak there. It feels like maybe they had just seen Clueless, and <laughs> they were trying to channel a little bit of share from that movie. In the number two spot is Wolverine, and I found it interesting because Witchblade and Wolverine had just starred in a comic together as part of that Devil's Reign crossover with Top Cow Comics, but of course, who hasn't starred in a crossover with Wolverine? Anyway, here's what they say. There are stupid costume designs, and there are stupid costume designs. Captain Boomerang? He's got a poofy blue jacket with little white boomerangs all over it, and a teeny hat. He looks more like a breakfast cereal spokesperson than a supervillain. Mr. Terrific? Once you get past a name that makes this guy sound like the towel boy in a bathhouse? There's the fair play printed on his belly. Ugh. <laughs> no. This is not okay. I just realized what they're talking about. It's no wonder he was beaten to death. I don't know what the original Mr. Terrific deal was, but all of that seems wrong. Then there's Wolverine's new outfit? We're hesitant to call it a costume. An old X-Men uniform with the sleeves ripped off, bare feet, biker gloves, and a bandana face mask? This thing is to costume designs what jock itch in church is to your general level of comfort. <laughs> yeah, so this is an era where it seems like they they jumped off the spider clone because Ben Riley was dead. They are just going to pick on noseless Wolverine for quite a while. Hey, but speaking of noseless, number three is Spawn. One word, moisturize. Jeez, as bad as Wolverine's mask is, we'd pay 10 bucks to have it covering Spawny Guy's mug. But in a way, Al's kisser here is pretty cool. It proves that superheroes don't have to be beautiful men or women in skin-tight spandex with perfect bodies, immovable hair, and a certain body parts hanging out of their costumes. They can look like a coconut with glowing eyes and still have a top-selling comic book, a successful toy line, an animated series, and a movie deal. But all that aside, just imagine how much more these products could sell if Spawn was a 44 double D with long hair, six-inch heels, and a costume made from bubble wrap. The mind boggles. Number four is Fairchild. Redheads are usually... How to say this without alienating our red-headed readers? But ugly? Nah, that'll piss off everybody with red or strawberry blonde hair. Let's just say that carrot tops aren't always easy on the eyes. Boy, this sure sounds hypocritical after that spawn write-up, eh? But not in comics. Oh no, hot redheads are everywhere. Remember, kids, comics are fantasy. Mary Jane Watson, Jean Grey, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Lana Lang, Kinetics, Maxima, Oracle, Medusa, Poison Ivy, Rachel Summers. Heck, the list is huge, even without touching upon Caitlin Fairchild here. Our point, we have none. Just an observation that most comic creators are male and well, that explains a lot. I don't know. What are you talking about? Just because most redheads are fair-skinned and maybe got some freckles? Uh, most of the redheads, especially female redheads that I've known, uh, pretty attractive. Okay, next up in the number five spot is Batman. It should be mentioned that the picture here has him just wide-eyed with his mouth wide open. I don't know what this is from. It looks like maybe like Kelly Jones art or something. But it says, wider, wider. Yep, there is a little George Clooney inside this bat suit. Sheesh, not 
sound too prematurely negative and harp on a topic forever? No, never in Wizard. But how much is the Batman and Robin movie going to suck? As bad as Batman Forever was, try adding three more players to the plot and see what kind of unfollowable abomination you're left with. Dear God, we never thought we'd say this, but please make these stupid movies more like the first one. Wizard didn't like the first Batman movie? I find that hard to believe. What? That's bizarre. It's the first time I've heard of that. All right, number six, Spider-Man. Think all those Spidey editors and writers who came up with the whole Return of the Spider-Clone mess now sit around together late at night, drink beers, weep openly, and moan, we... We just tried to do good. Well, that's what you get for being stupid. Anyhow, now that Peter Parker is Spidey again, and they've apparently done away with all the clone garbage, written out the spider baby and moved Petey back to his school setting, it looks like the real Spidey is finally back. Number seven is Magneto, and... I don't know what this is, but he has got poofy white hair. It looks like he's wearing lipstick, and uh, Wizard picks up on that. What the hell is Grandma Ben doing in the X-Men? <laughs> For those who don't know Grandma Ben from Bone Comics. Oh, maybe it's like that whole multi-company crossover thing they recently did in Gen 13 number 13. You know, the one with the weird Wizard slays the beast thing. That just, well, that just didn't make too much sense. Which is okay, because the whole de-aging of Magneto, Joseph, Amnesia stunt they just pulled off doesn't make any sense either. So, if nothing else, we have achieved a symmetry in bafflement. It's interesting how, like, a lot of these characters they're not happy with, but they can't deny they're popular, so they have to write about them. Number eight is X-Man. We're in a new age of heroes. Instead of costumes that symbolize what a hero is about, that guy in red, white, and blue with a star on his chest? Captain America. And that red and blue guy with the web patterns on his tights and the spider on his chest? Spider-Man. What's in are militaristic uniforms as costumes, face paint, and hair dye. Does X-Man go to the same hair list as Rogue? We prefer heroes we can pick out of a crowd, not those who completely blend into one. So they have no comment on how good the book is or if the character is any good. They're just like, he looks stupid. <laughs> well, he does have that 90s floppy middle part hair. Number nine is Electra. Okay, so let me explain this picture here real quick. Uh, we have Electra who looks very wide-eyed, very concerned. She's seeing something horrifying. And the wizard says, What if this is how Frank Miller looked when he was told that Electra is alive, is a dancer, and now has a heart of gold? Just like a Stephen J. Cannell premise, eh? Bet the soft-spoken, non-inflammatory Mr. Miller was real fun to be around when he found that out. And us? We dig Electra. She's one of the few characters we don't mind being resurrected. Though we gotta admit, this President Carnation pretty weak and fans feel the same way about her huh so it's like we did want Electra back and uh, this version is lame but at least she's back to do some stories hmm interesting number 10 finally is Bishop if our hair looked like that we'd be grimacing too jeez our boy Bishop can't cut a break when he first showed up he had retro 80s El DeBarge remember Rhythm of the Night oily hair then to make him grimier and grittier they gave him a buzz cut that makes him look like an outpatient recovering from brain surgery want our suggestion Shave it, bald B-Man. Hey, it was a good luck for Yul Brenner and Telly Savalas before they died. And of course we know that, yes, he does eventually get a bald look, so maybe the ex-office was listening to Wizard. But now it's finally time for our Mort of the Month.
Matter Master. Nice hat. In an effort to make this mort as painless as possible, we're just gonna blow through his origin and history and try not to stop for any stupid jokes. Ready? Mark Mandrill, a would-be scientist attempting to transform lead into gold, had a vial of chemicals explode in front of him and startled, yelled, Get away from me! Which the chemicals did. Realizing that something odd was about, Mandrill fashioned a wand from the chemicals, oh boy, and he found he could control any pure substance, you know, pure diamond, pure dirt, etc. Anywho, Mandrill donned a suit that, much like Batman's, would instill fear and superstition in anyone who saw it, and then he had his ass kicked by Hawkwoman. And no, he's not dead yet. Yes, Matter Master. Now, is he related to Matter Eater Lad? I don't know what would go on there if those two teamed up. Anyway, uh, yeah, so there you go with our Mort of the Month. And now it's time to get Wizard's thoughts on the hottest comics of 1997 with The Skinny. Alright, first up here we have Generation X, and it says everyone should be talking about this generation. What you need to know, teenagers attend the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters to learn how to master their mutant superpowers under the tutelage of Elder Mutants Banshee and the White Queen. The students include Jubilee, Sink, Mondo, Skin, M, Chamber, Husk, and Penance. The Good. This is a solid comic book series. The personalities of the characters are distinct, the stories are entertaining, the art is stylish. This is a book about kids in school, only they just happen to have superpowers. One doesn't detract from the other. The book's hip dialogue and interaction allow you to understand who these people are, and the humor is genuine and never forced. A lot of times, the fourth wall is broken with good results. On page one in issue number 19, Sink says he can't stay for the story recap because, quote, I'm needed on page four. The stories are strongly supported by great artwork. Penciler Chris Bocciolo is definitely having fun with this book. In number 19's story with the toad, there are frogs jumping in practically every panel. When the kids are taking a test at number 21, Jubilee's doodles are incorporated into the story. And though Bocciolo likes to use a gazillion panels on a page, the storytelling is easy to follow. Guest characters fitting comfortably, guest shots and cameos may by Howard the Duck, Sasquatch, Beast, and Nate Richards are never forced and always add to the story. So I recently read that particular book that they're talking about where Jubilee is taking a test in issue 21 and it is kind of fascinating to see what they did there, just kind of her take on each of the members of the class. It does give it a very interactive feel, I guess is what she would say. You're like, oh, this is kind of cool. As for the breaking the fourth wall, that was nothing new. Obviously She-Hulk had done that many years before, but still fun that they were bringing that forward. But, you know, it can't all be praise. Let's find out what they say is the bad. There are a few backstories that are set up and not resolved, a problem that still haunts uncanny X-Men. Each time you're given a new subplot, a resolution is ultimately called for, not a checklist of things to look out for in the future. Example, as the cliffhanger at issue 21, why does Beast point out that M is autistic but absolutely nothing is mentioned of it in issue number 22? It's awkward. And while it's boring when action sequences are overdone, in Generation X there aren't enough. Very little superhero conflict is presented to the reader here, and when it happens, it's subdued. The conflict with Toad wasn't a fight, it was a talk. Nightmare doesn't come to wreak havoc, he just whines a lot. It leaves you a little starved for action, but... 
the buzz. The action is expected to heat up in an upcoming storyline with Black Tom Cassidy taking custody of the kids. Readers are promised to blow up in the status quo of the book. Plus, there's a Fox TV series in the works, so the book's due for even more exposure. <laughs> Why? Why didn't we get the Generation X ongoing series? That's all we needed, Fox. Come on, at least a syndicated series on the USA Network. Something. So, the final skinny. This is the best X book out there. With great humor, quirky art, and established characterizations. If it does a little more with what it has, it could achieve even greater heights. The verdict of five. And just a reminder, that's five out of six. So that is some high praise. So the only thing I'll just say is... Obviously, you know, they mentioned there's not a lot of action. And I think that is because, you know, when you have somebody like Scott Lobdell writing it, he seems very into words and wordplay. I mean, maybe he's not quite as bad as Chris Claremont in terms of volume of verbiage, but still, it seems like, you know, writers, when they're more in control of a book, they're going to make it about the words. All right, on to the next book here. Just look to the skies because the truth is out there. They say X-Files. Truth is, this book is way out there. What you need to know. Based on the Fox TV show of the same name, FBI agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully investigate strange phenomena taken from the FBI's X-Files. The good. This book is trying very hard to match the structural feel of the show. How the stories are set up, the amount of information revealed to you, and the drives of the characters are in sync with the TV show. As you'd want in a book like this, the concepts presented are intriguing. Is ball lightning alive? Was a pilot lost to the Bermuda Triangle 50 years ago or really abducted by aliens? Are the stories of a Hawaiian strangling ghost really true? Each time you're presented with questions like that, you want to find the answers. Thankfully, you're provided with a lot of background information to the story also. Everything you need to know about the phenomenon at hand is given to you, which makes you an educated reader. All of these hook you into the stories. The bad of this section is much larger. Getting you hooked on the stories is a good thing only if the book delivers in the end, which this series doesn't. In many regards, that's supporting the TV show, an end without an explanation. However, an ending like that put down on paper is so startling that you're left asking yourself why you read the book. Is there a ball lightning life form or a strangling ghost? We don't know. We are now the most educated readers about each phenomenon, but we're also left with more questions than answers. The endings are usually very sudden, with the reader either getting no information or a curveball, stunned that the story is over. Either way, it's unfulfilling. How does the TV show get away with doing this to you? Easy. It distracts you with a dark and offbeat mood. This comic doesn't. And the artwork is partly to blame for that. Instead of concentrating on conveying mood, the effort behind the the artwork is apparently put towards making the characters look just like X-Files stars David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, with poor results. At best, they come off looking like they were supposed to look like the actors, but the expressions aren't there. Many times it looks like Scully is walking around with her eyes closed. There's no attempt to make the settings mysterious or interesting. Everything's drawn blandly and without mood. Maybe the X-Files team should check out Vertigo's Sandman Mystery Theaters, see what mood can do for a comic. The buzz? Doug Mensch is slated to take over the writing for this book. Perhaps he can eject some depth and mood into it. The skinny. This book is trying too hard to capture the storytelling structure of the TV show and ignoring everything else. That's the danger of any TV or movie adaptation, forgetting that comics have different needs. The verdict? Ooh, a two rating. That's pretty low. Although it's definitely not surprising because if you've been paying attention to these mini episodes as we have covered the top 10 comics of any given month, The X-Files has been on the list forever. It's obviously very popular, but they always are complaining like, ah, I don't know what this is all about. Or, you know, this TV series is a pretty stupid premise because they never solve anything. So <laughs> sounds like inherently Wizard was against The X-Files in general. All right, last one here is Nightwing. Can the former Robin? 
and cut it on his own? What you need to know. Nightwing, aka Dick Grayson and formerly the original Robin, leaves Gotham City for the seedy city of Bloodhaven to solve multiple murders. He finds that it's going to take him a while, so he sets up shop there. The good. We've waited a long time for this book, and it delivers on many levels. It has a down-to-earth feel with a sense of humor, and it doesn't hurt that Nightwing is a great character. He's got a good moral center. In issue number one, he gives a young runaway girl some money and a bus ticket, tells her to head back to Gotham City, and apply for a job at Wayne Corp. Plus, he's not too intense like his former partner, Batman. The town of Bloodhaven itself becomes a character too. It's seedy, violent, makes Gotham look like Disney World. There's really a good mood established here. Nightwing also has an intriguing police contact in Inspector Dudley Soames. He's as crooked as all of Bloodhaven's cops, yet he'll occasionally help out Nightwing. He leaves you guessing and seems to have some bigger scheme in motion. There's also some nice elements that are trademarks of Chuck Dixon's writing. In one such example, Dixon actually depicts the trials of Dick's ordinary tasks, like renting an apartment, hooking up his utilities, and getting his phone turned on. Through such normal tasks, Dixon is fleshing out Nightwing as a character. The bad. The title's main flaw is storytelling. The story moves way too fast. Before you finish issue number one alone, your head's swimming with huge casts of new foes. What's missing are more private life scenes, which Dixon does beautifully in Robin, that break up the lightning-fast story. Sure, there are a couple of moments, like when Grayson's talking to his landlord, but they're infrequent. New readers are going to have a tough time following this book, especially since they're rarely given the basic background info on who Nightwing is. Explaining things like how Nightwing was the first Robin, an interesting tidbit a new reader wouldn't have discovered until number four's story, would definitely make Nightwing more reader-friendly. To add to this, Scott McDaniel's art times can be pretty sketchy and hard to follow. He needs to develop his own style and stop emulating the artwork of Joe Quesada and Frank Miller. Also, the coloring style of this book is so inappropriate that it makes McDaniel's art even more confusing. The awkward orange-brown color of Bloodhaven is too overpowering and often makes it difficult to follow the main action. The Buzz. Fans have been begging for a Nightwing series for over a decade, and since it ties in neatly to the Batman mythos, readers have already started buzzing about this new series. The skinny, Nightwing is definitely on the right track. It just needs to slow down enough for everyone to catch up. The Verdict, and three. Although, you know, within, you know, six months' time, I'm sure that would go up to a five or a six. I'll be curious to see if they ever revisit comics, because obviously Nightwing was hugely popular. Whenever we posted, uh, you know, an ad for it on our social media, Media, you guys are raving about it, so definitely a beloved series that, yeah, just maybe got off to a little bit of a slow start. Now, I will mention that the last review here is Poison Elves, but we're going to be talking about Poison Elves on episode 67, so I won't be covering it now. You can kind of get my thoughts then, and maybe I'll throw this particular review into that mini-episode just as a follow-up to compare our thoughts to Wizards. But, hey, that's the skinny for now. Let's close out this shindig. And that does it for this edition of Wizards Have. Thank you so much for joining me to explore the depths of issue 66 and there's so much more to come so make sure that you are following us on social media at Wizards Comics on Twitter at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram where we will be posting even more pages from the magazine that we have not covered just yet but if you really want to get inside just one more plug for the Patreon. We've already got a great group that joined over there. Some of them even before the Patreon officially launched. They have been waiting, biting their time for the return and so like i've said in the past you can actually get scans of the magazine pages from the magazine earlier than anybody else right now there's a full scan of issue 67 to help you prep for that episode as well as a 
actually episode 67 itself will be coming out long before everybody else hears it on the main feed. There's an episode of the Wizard Files that won't be released for another couple of weeks and so much more. So for five bucks a month, you can't beat it, guys. It's a lot of fun over on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wizards Comics, or you can just search for it on the Patreon website. Get on board, join the fun, help support the podcast, and we'll keep bringing you awesome content. Speaking of what's to come, though, just to give you a heads up, so we did record our Jim Lee tribute special. We had a great crew with us there, so that'll be out soon enough, along with an accompanying episode of The Wizard Files, because we had Jeff Marriott, who is the VP of Marketing and a writer and doing so much more behind the scenes at Wildstorm Studios that we interviewed and he'll give you all sorts of insight into what it was like working for Jim Lee and the excitement of this era because he was there from the beginning all the way through the DC buyout so there was a lot of fun stuff to get on board you can listen to it now on the Patreon just one more plug there and episode 67 of the podcast when that drops you will find our old pal Steven yes former co-host of Wizards brought along his buddy Richie who is a guy who works in Hollywood he worked on the original Iron Man guys and his stories from the set are fantastic especially related to the armor which he may have had a very close relationship with so one more thing to look out for on the schedule of course if you also want to be on the YouTube channel guys we're not stopping the train keeps rolling haul videos galore of course if you haven't watched the fantasy superhero draft that actually ended up being our most popular video for the last two months one of those things that we weren't sure if everybody would be interested in that form but they loved the discussion and a lot of people have been watching it so we're definitely looking forward to bringing up a a second round of a fantasy draft that will be focusing on a different group of heroes to choose from of course you can also go over to TeePublic get yourself some wizard t-shirts and other merch and uh, just share your love of the show with other people you guys are doing a great job you want to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts you just want to retweet or share on your social media tell everybody that you're enjoying the podcast it continues to grow We are so thankful to everything you're doing to, uh, you know, help the community grow because we're meeting a lot of fun people along the way. Finally, just another quick plug for Manscaped. If you go to manscaped.com right now, you don't even have to enter our code WIZARDS20, but you can. You'll actually automatically get 20% off plus free shipping for the holidays. So if you're looking for that last minute Christmas gift, whether you want to make it a gag gift or you know somebody who really does need to uh, clean themselves up a bit, manscaped.com is the place to go. But hey, until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.